Ladies, Jesus does reign, doesn't he? He does reign. The question is if he's going to reign in me, right? And the truth is that one day all of creation is going to say the king of heaven reigns, right? And we all get that choice to decide whether or not he's going to reign in us. And when he reigns in us, he calls us to do those radical things, right? Those things that don't make sense. Those things that seem, things that seem backwards to maybe the ways we've known of doing things before or the way our feelings tell us. And so maybe this morning when you got this little bag in, in your room, you know, you're like, what in the world, right? And I understand that um, because it does cause a wrestle inside of us, you know? What am I going to do with that? And the reality is probably most of us wouldn't need that $10 to bless your enemies, right? I mean, you, you've got $10. Many of you have hundreds of dollars that you could use to bless your enemy. What that was, was from the Holy Spirit, not from us. He gave us this idea. It, it was just a little kick in your rear end to get you going, okay? Because if not... We will many times just kind of shrink back. We'll go home. We might have some good intentions. Oh, yeah, I need to do that. And little by little, as life takes over, that will fade away. But I just encourage you, put this $10 in a place where you'll see it often until the Lord shows you what to do with it. And ask him and let him know I'm listening. And whatever you tell me, I will do it, right? Because the reality is we want people to say the king of heaven reigns, right? And so people that are acting in evil manners toward us or whatever, they haven't allowed that to happen in their lives. We can be that doorkeeper that opens the door for them to do that. We just got to Jesus before they did, right? We want to bring them along. And having that mindset, it is, it is a total shift. And some of us might even be thinking, well, because we had this conversation earlier as a team when we were here during the prep days, you know, um, well, I don't really know of any enemies that I have. Like, I, and, and it's easy to think that. Maybe some of you are like, I don't really have any enemies. And I've been asking the Lord, how could I put that into a word picture? Because I think, again, it's, it's some layers he needs to get beneath in our hearts. And what he showed me this morning as I was out walking on the beach, he said, tell him to think of it like this. Who in your life, if you ended up in a room, just you and them, would it be really awkward? Or like you ran into them at the store, like you walked down the grocery aisle and they were like, and you'd be face to face. And so you might not think of them as an enemy, but there's stuff, right? There's stuff that's caused a wall or caused a breach or caused something. And so you being that one that initiates, right? The Lord initiated the gospel in our lives. He came. He made the first move. So you being the one that just blesses. Doesn't mean you have to figure the whole relationship out. Doesn't mean you have to become best friends, right? Doesn't mean you even have to do life together from there on out. It's an attitude about that person that they are valuable in the eyes of God. And if they are, that means he is longing for them to come into his kingdom. Just like he was longing for you to be there. And he's longing for them. Maybe they already are in the kingdom. Many times our enemies are people that know Christ, right? And as it says in Psalm 77, those are the hardest ones because we're like, I don't get it, right? But you know what? Maybe, maybe they need to just learn more of the kingdom too. I mean, and maybe people are looking at us. There might be some people thinking, you're my enemy. <laughs> it's you, right? I mean, we have those, we have those complications. The, the how of what God will call that relationship to be and to be reconciled into whatever, that'll come on the heels of your yes and the heels of you doing what God calls you to do. Having that attitude that they are valuable and then putting that attitude into action by just a simple blessing. It could be a $10 gift card to Starbucks and 
just a little note that says, hey, I'm thinking about you today and praying for you. Hope all is well. I mean, it could be that simple, you know, but the Lord will be, he's so creative. Look at what he created. He can give us creative ways, you know, but if there is that person, if, if you don't think of a major enemy, you know, somebody that you just know things are not really right with. And that if you were in the room with them, you would have pushback. You would have, like, <gasps> that feeling, like, oh, no, what are we going to say? This is awkward, right? We'll leave it there. <laughs> God wants to move us into these opportunities. He does. And so don't look at this as a curse. This is an opportunity for you to take the divine love of heaven and open the door for somebody. Because we needed the door open for us. And there's going to be times in our future where we need the door open for us. And the beauty of the, of the family of God is when we learn to act like that. It's like we can't outdo each other, right? In just saying, come on into the grace of Jesus. I know we're all struggling. We're all learning. And we just keep opening that door and saying, isn't it good to all be in the family of God? Grace, 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 more grace, 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 right? All those good things. Today is going to be a really special day. So I hope that you're excited about it. I'm really excited about it for God to just um, be pouring out more upon us. And that started, I think, in our time during worship. I, I hope these songs that we're singing, they're like anthems, right? I mean, this sim simple kingdom, I mean, it's like a, a hymn written in 2022. I mean, it's just a powerful declaration of, of God's kingdom reign and, and what the kingdom looks like. And I hope these songs are going to be deep in our hearts as we, you know, continue to move forward from here. But the Lord definitely has more for us this morning. And um, it's going to literally, I think, change how we view life. I, it can. I, I think the word he has from Matthew um, 6 is that, that powerful for us. So I want to begin by briefly sharing three um, little stories, three scenes of parenting, I guess is what I'll call it, that got my attention over this last year. And it's interesting because none of them um, happened at the same time, nor was I looking for any of them. You know, it was just situations that I happened upon. And yet with each one, I knew that they were distinctly marked in my heart for a reason. So let me just um, tell you what the stories are. And I'm going to give each one of them a name. So the first one, I'm going to call the bus stop mom, okay? So I was driving home one day, one afternoon. I'd been out running some errands. This was back last year in the spring. And um, I got caught behind a school bus who was stopping because they were going to, you know, let off these elementary school children from, from school. It had been a, a really rainy day that day, but now the sun was out. But there were lots and lots of puddles all over the ground. And as I got behind this bus, they hadn't opened the door yet, so parents were all just standing there, you know, some of them on their phones, some of them looking around, some of them looking for their child on the bus. I mean, we've, we've seen that image right before. You're like, ah, back behind the school bus, right? Gotta stop, you know? But I just started, I started taking it all in as these parents were just waiting for their children to get off the bus. But I noticed this one mom specifically, and she just looked totally disengaged. And, and she was the one that really caught my eye. And when the bus stopped for her, it was, it was like she barely even noticed that it was there because there was just like this blank look on her face. And so it was obvious to me, she's like off in space somewhere, right? And then the children started to get off the bus and you know, they're just bouncing down the bus and different ones are running over to their mom. Some of them are jumping in the puddle, doing all those things, you know, it's just fun to get out of school, right? But I watched as this one little girl, she got off the bus, and she started walking toward that disengaged mom. And, 
And that mom was standing, like there was a rain puddle, and here's the bus, and so the little girl is coming over to her. And as the little girl approached her, this is what I saw. The mom never looked at the child, never spoke to the child. She just took her arm and she just started doing like this. And she just did it over and over, like this blank look on her face as this little girl was looking up at her. And, and it was clear, the mom was saying, don't even think about jumping in that puddle. <laughs> and the little girl, she was kind of dancing around it and the mom just kept doing that again and again. And honestly, it broke my heart because all I could think about was that little girl's heart and how broken it must be if that's the kind of environment, you know, she's lived in and had to come home to. So that's the bus stop mom. Let me tell you about the second one. I'll call this one the parking lot grandmother, okay? My husband and I were out shopping. This was probably a month and a half ago or so. And uh, it was afternoon and we were exiting one store and we were gonna walk over to this other. And I heard this child screaming. So, you know, I turned to look and see what was going on. And my eyes took in this grandmother who was just like, it, she appeared to be his grandmother, just like wailing on the backside of this little boy who was probably about four years old. And they, it was obvious they had just come out of the store because they were right in front of the doorway and she just had him by the arm. And I mean, she was just wailing on his behind and his leg. And of course he was screaming and then she was screaming at him and she was saying things like, stop crying. And I said, stop it. And he was just crying louder. I mean, everybody around was just like, I don't know what to do. And I mean, it really, really hit my heart. And, and for days, actually, I just couldn't stop thinking about it. I kept praying for that little boy in his heart and, and just thinking about how moments like that, you know, can really damage, I think, and really be traumatic. And you might be thinking like I was thinking that day, if that's the way she was treating him in public, what was she doing, you know, at home? What about in private? So that's the parking lot grandmother. And then let me tell you about one of the most recent images I saw, and I'm going to call this one Tender Father. This was back in August. God showed me this one too, but it wasn't at a bus stop, okay, and it wasn't in a parking lot. It was actually at church. I was at my church on a Saturday morning for this um, morning prayer service. It was actually the culmination of 21 days of fasting and prayer that my church hosts twice a year. And so there was just a sense of expectation, excitement in the room because, I mean, hundreds and hundreds of people were there. We'd all been on this journey. And I had this card in my hand that had 10 things on it that I had been praying over for those 21 days and just seeking God and, and, all, and all of that. And it, I would have called it like my all these things list, okay, that I wanted God to move in. But the truth is, even though everybody else was, you know, in the spirit of worship, I was in a spirit of worship to the Lord, but I was really anxious because it didn't appear that God had been hearing my heart at all. It, it felt like he had been really disengaged from me. And I had really, even in the last couple days of the journey of this prayer, I had started to question, are you mad at me, God? Like, are you even hearing what I'm, I'm saying to you? Are you bothered by my pleading? I, I just didn't know. So I was pondering all these things, trying to, you know, jump into the worship. I'm sure we've all been in that place where we're in a worship time, but we're like, we're not feeling it, right? We're not feeling it in our, in our, in our feelings. And I just happened to glance over to the side, and it was then that I saw this third parent. It was actually one of our pastors. He's a young guy, and he has this little baby, and he was holding her. Her bum was like just, you know, she was probably about 10 months old, and she was just perched on his, his arm, and his other arm, he was just rubbing her back, and she had her head on his shoulder. She was awake, you know, but she was just totally at peace 
and happy. I mean, she had a smile on her face and it just hit my heart because I had been meditating on these scriptures from Matthew 6 about our Father's love and care. And they just came in like a flood and just transformed everything in that moment and reminded me of who my God is. So I want us to think about those stories, but have them in your mind, just kind of set them off to the side, the bus stop mom, parking lot grandmother, and the tender father. And we're gonna go into Matthew 6, and we're gonna see how these um, things that can really pierce our hearts that we see and we experience, how God's much more care can really speak into those things. So we've got quite a bit of scripture that we're gonna cover, and there's gonna be several of you that are gonna go in succession. So um, if it gets a little confusing, just I'll point to you, okay? When it's your turn, hopefully I'll know where you're at. I'm trying to take it all in, but we'll, we'll get this scripture shared. Diana, um, who, Diana, she, that's right. Okay, I was, all of a sudden I was like, is she the one? I thought she was, that didn't get to come. She was gonna get us started in verse 25. And so I'm going to share that one with us. It says, for this reason I say to you, do not be anxious for your life as to what you shall eat or what you shall drink, nor for your body as to what you shall put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? And now we're going to go into Linda, then Mackenzie, then Joanne, Sandra, and Rebecca Stevenson. So can we keep that order? All right. So you get us started, Linda, for the next verses. Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow, neither do they reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not worth much more than they? And which of you, by worrying, can add a single cubit to his lifespan? Mm -hmm. can't see. And why are you worried about clothing? Observe how the lilies of the field grow. They do not toil nor spin. And yet I say to you that not even Solomon in all of his glory clothed himself like one of these. For if God so arrays the grass of the field, which is alive today and tomorrow is thrown into the furnace, will he not much more do so for you, O men of little faith? Do not be anxious then, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or with what shall we clothe ourselves? For all these things the Gentiles eagerly seek. For your heavenly Father knows what you need all these things. But seek first his kingdom, his righteousness, These are powerful words here, powerful words. We're going to dig into them, but we're also going to look at a little section in Matthew 7. So Julie Haynes is going to get us started, and then Beverly Harpine and Julie Blake, you'll follow right after her, okay? Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks, receives. Everyone who seeks, finds. And to the one who knocks, it will be open. For what man is there among you, when his son shall ask him for a loaf, will give him a stone? Or if he shall ask for a fish, he will not give him a snake, will he? If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your father who is in heaven be able to speak to you as you ask him? 
Therefore, however you want people to treat you, so treat them, for this is the law of prophets. Hmm, good stuff. There's so much light here in these words from Jesus that we just heard. So much light to really just enlighten our minds, enlighten our eyes. See, do you remember last night the verses that we were in about the, the eye, right? And how they light, if your whole body is, uh, if your eyes are clear, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eyes are dark, your whole body will be full of darkness. What we just heard all these ladies share, starting with the verse I shared about being anxious and why are you anxious about all these things, all of that falls right after Jesus talked to them about having their eyes clear. And so we can see that what he's wanting to do here in these conversations is to get our eyes clear about our Heavenly Father and about the way that he cares for us. So the eye is actually going to be the very first thing out of the box this morning. Because even though we've, we've moved on from those verses, that's the continuation here. That's really what Jesus is talking to us about, is having clear eyes about the things we're anxious about, and most importantly, having clear eyes about our Heavenly Father's care for us. And that's going to be the second thing out of the box, is the word more, because he cares more. And life is actually more, and we're going to see that. And so I pray that even as we're getting started this morning, that we have a, a sense of prayer in our hearts. Lord Jesus, clear my eyes so I can see you. Clear my eyes so I can see the more that you have for me. We're going to see that life is more this morning. We're going to also see that God's heart toward us is much more. So let's start first with that more. Life is more. We find in verse 25, let me share it again. For this reason I say to you, do not be anxious for your life as to why you shall eat or drink or what you shall put on, right? Is not life more, say that word with me, more, more than food and the body more than clothing? Jesus couldn't be any more clear, right? Life is more than all these basic things. But here's the problem. We often do view life by these very basic things. And I would say, he mentioned three, but there are more, right? And even in our culture, some of the basics might be things like our job and our car and our house, right? The point is, life is more than we tend to think that it is. It's more than all these things. In the kingdom, life is defined differently. It's defined by God himself, and there's no end to his goodness. So there's no end to the fullness of life that he can bring. So since it could seem so you know, daunting to even think about, okay, well then what is life? And we can't even really give words to all of that because God's fullness is so big and at least he can start to help our eyes to dream about it a little bit, right? And to think about it and to put our eyes beyond the basic things and say, okay, God, show me this kingdom life. Show me how full it is. Show me all of your goodness in it. See, even though we can't define it, I believe by what Jesus is saying here is that let's get your eyes clear so you can at least be looking for it and look beyond the basic things. But the problem is so many of our eyes are not clear. Just like I told you that morning in church, my eyes were not clear. They weren't clear. And the reason for that is that we're doing life by the basics, right? What am I going to eat? What am I going to drink? What am I going to put on? Where am I going to work? Where am I going to live? What am I going to drive? All these things. And when we view life in that way, our eyes are really darkened in their understanding. And Jesus already told us what happens, right? 
When our eyes are dark, what happens to our whole being? It becomes filled with darkness. And the specific darkness that he is going to just get in our faces about this morning is anxiousness. Anxiousness. Now, I know a lot of us in this room struggle with anxiousness or with anxiety. Probably all of us in some way, probably some of us in in bigger ways than maybe the person beside you. And it's easy, I think, I've even heard people talk about how bad the problem with anxiousness is today, you know, as if it's a new thing. It's not a new thing. He was talking about it 2,000 years ago, right? Anxiousness is just something common to the human soul, especially when we start to look at life defined by the basics instead of defined by the more that God designed life to be. It's important for us to understand how we get to the place of anxiousness. I think looking at verse 25 and other parts of scripture can help to bring that light to our eyes. See, it starts with an understanding that I was created and all of you were created too with a fullness of life. We were designed with a capacity in our our lives to have a fullness in our lives. That's the way God designed for it to be. So being created that way, and that yet living in a broken world, it's only reasonable to think there is going to be a great desire in our hearts for something more. Have you ever said that? There's got to be more to life than this. <laughs> Have you ever thought that? There's got to be more to life than this. That is a very reasonable thing to say and feel because God created us with a huge capacity for life. But when our eyes have become darkened to this definition of what life really is and we, we start thinking of it's the basics, right? Then we're perverting that desire by reaching to the basics to provide the more for us that it's incapable of providing. The basics of life are not the source of more that our hearts are craving. God's life is the heart, is the life that our hearts are craving. And that's how anxiousness really, I think, starts to take root. And, and the more we allow that and we don't correct that definition in our minds and live differently about what life is, that anxiousness just grows and grows and grows and it can start to take over our whole lives. We were designed, ladies, to live in a, in a big way in the fullness of God's life. God put that desire on the inside of our hearts for more. There's nothing wrong with that desire. It's a holy, righteous desire. And yet when our eyes have become darkened to think that the substance of life is found in the basics of clothing and houses and food and drink and cars, we naturally begin to seek more from those very things. We think, And we hear it said to us all the time, in order to be happy, in order to be blessed, and in order to be secure, I've got to get more quantity of those things, right? I got to get more quality of those things. Quintessentially, I just got to get more of them, right? In one way or another, more, more, more. But the pursuit of striving for more can create a lot of anxiousness in us. It really can, which is definitely part of the problem. But even more so, what creates the anxiousness is that all these things, these basic things, are not the substance of life. They cannot give us the more we're actually longing for because they are not life. They are the things we use in this life, right? They're necessary for day-to-day function, but life is not comprised of these things. They do not have the capacity to give the more we crave. And when we think they do and we act as if they do, we will dwell in a dark place called anxiousness. And many of us live there, right? We live there because we're striving and we're straining. 
And anxiousness is a dark place if you've ever lived in it. And it affects your whole being. That's why Jesus says life is more than all these things. He wants to open our eyes from the beginning. Is not life more than all these things? That's, that's his very first question, right? And now that we've heard him, I pray that he is opening our eyes, right? Giving us that, that clear vision because the world is going to constantly be telling us that life is this. Life is this. Life is this. And we've got to have the truth inside of us to, to be able to see and say, no, it's not. Life is more than this and this and this. Life is what God has given me to live. And he has a fullness for me that I can't even imagine. And so we want to be even saying yes to that. Yes, Jesus, life is more. It is. I agree with you. Yes. Yes, yes, life is more. And now that we've seen that, hopefully we're hanging on to his next word because Jesus is really just getting started here. I mean, that's just the beginning of the conversation. See, as he continues on, he actually transitioned from life being more to God's heart toward us being much more. And that's the next thing out of the box. Much more. See, there is this continual theme of much more that runs through all of Jesus' words here. And every time he uses those two words, much more, he's describing our Father. He's describing his heart. He's describing his actions. He's describing his provisions toward us. And really, this theme of much more, I mean, it runs through the whole Sermon on the Mount. But specifically in these verses that were just shared with us from Matthew 6, 25 through 33, and then 7, 7 through 12, they are really where Jesus just like zooms in on the Father's heart toward us. See, listen again with me to Jesus' words starting in chapter 6, starting in verse 26. He's talking about the Father's care for us and how he cares for the birds. But then he said, are you not worth much more? Than they. And then in verse 30, he's talking about how God cares for flowers of the field. And he says, Will he not much more do so for you? And then in chapter 7, verse 11, he was talking about how we're sinful people and we know how to give good gifts to our children. And then he says to them, How much more shall your Father who is in heaven give what is good to those who ask him? So we're going to start at that one in chapter 7, and we're going to work our way backwards into chapter 6, into those three much more statements that Jesus makes. See, look again in chapter 7. Julie quoted it for us earlier. And we're told to ask, seek, and knock there. And then we're told if we do, well, we're going to receive, we're going to find um, and have the door open for us. And then he starts this conversation about children. And he gives a picture of your child asking you for a loaf of bread. And he asks us a question. Like, you wouldn't give him a rock, would you? If they were like, Mommy, I'm hungry. Give me some bread. You know, and they're like, here's a rock. We, we wouldn't do that. And we, are, we don't even always have pure hearts towards our kids, right? And we wouldn't do that. And then he gives another example that's even a little more intense. I think he says, if you ask for a fish, you're not going to give him a snake. I mean, I hate snakes, right? I mean, can't even imagine such a thing. And Jesus says... If you, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more do I know how to give good gifts to you? I will provide for you. That's what he's trying to let us see in verse 11. Ladies, so many of us are anxious because we don't really believe that. We don't really believe that. We haven't said, yes, that is true. I know that. And therefore, we're not living in the more of his 
provisions. I hadn't planned to tell this story here, but I feel like the Lord would have me to do it. So, and some of you have probably heard it. I think I've shared it at a fall Bible getaway before. But I remember when I was a young mom, Mackenzie was probably four or five because um, our son was a baby at the time. And anyway, money was tight. I was a stay-at-home mom. My husband was a pastor in a little church. You know, we just didn't have a lot. And as, you know, it was getting close to being winter, I was doing laundry one day, and I was just very aware, we all need socks and underwear. Like, we do. But I also had been very convicted about spending money that I didn't have, and so I knew I didn't have the money to go buy that extra stuff. And so I had been learning that God was my provider. And I had gotten myself in a kind of an anxious place a lot of times because I was, actually I was kind of mad at the leadership at the church because I thought they weren't paying them enough, you know? <laughs> so instead of, when I heard this message about God being my provider, I, I kind of put him to the test. And I said, all right, God, you're my provider. We need socks and underwear. What am I going to do about that? Right? And the Lord is so good. And he's so creative. So we were in this little church, and on Wednesday nights, we would have Wednesday night suppers and Bible study and things, sweet times. And I loved it because I didn't have to cook dinner on Wednesday night, right? And the pastor's family did eat free, so that was nice, too. But anyway, we're sitting there at the table, and we had this, um, this um, parachurch ministry in our area called Christian City. It's down, we lived in Atlanta at the time. It's down there. And one of the families who were house parents at one of the foster homes, they came to our church. And he was particularly in charge of all of the donations that they would get from Walmart and Target of, of things, you know. And so sometimes he would just show up with stuff because they would get it in such excess they couldn't give it all out. Um, at the time, back then, they would make diapers in pink and blue for boys and girls. Some of you remember that. My son wore so many pink diapers <laughs> because he would bring diapers because people go into Walmart and, like, they'll pop up in a bag like with their key and pull one diaper out if their child needs a diaper and then the pack's ruined. And, but Christian City didn't have uh, um, children at that age. They didn't take them till they were five. So he was always bringing diapers. So you never knew what he was going to bring. It was always kind of fun. What's Malcolm got tonight, you know? But anyway, he walked over to me and he just bent down. He was a big man and he put his keys on the table and he just whispered in my ear. He said, we got this huge shipment today of socks and underwear, and I, I can't share them with everybody, but you go out to the van and get whatever you want. And I learned that day, God is my provider. I went from being a person who, who wanted him to be, and who would see that in his word, but I needed to know it in my soul, you know? And a lot of us don't know that. I would encourage you. Hold your hands open and ask for the things that he provides. Now, God doesn't do that every day for me. He doesn't send socks and underwear for my family, right? But there's been many times that he's provided way beyond what I need. We don't believe that a lot of times because we're afraid, right? We have gotten ourselves in a place of anxiousness. And maybe even because our eyes have been darkened by images of parent, a parent who did give us a rock. Like, probably there are some of you in the room who grew up in some really hard homes, and your parents were not there. They were disengaged. They didn't really care about providing for your needs. Remember our little school bus girl? Sad to say, but that's the way a lot of children grow up, right? Their parents are so broken in their own brokenness, they don't really have anything left to give. That's why they need Jesus. That's why they need us to hold the door open, right? But whatever our experiences in the past, it's so easy to let those images cloud and darken our eyes 
to the father, the much more loving hearted, caring father provision God is for us. It's so easy to let that happen. But let these words this morning, how much more will your heavenly father who is, um, has a heart toward you give to those who ask them? It's not your, he's not your mother that was disengaged. He's not your father here on this earth or your caretaker or whoever. He's your father who is in heaven. How much more shall he give what is good to those who ask him? His provisions are so much more, right? So much more. What about our father's actions toward us? I mean, maybe sure he'll provide what we need. Maybe even give us a little more than we need just because he's God, right? But will he also do things for us just because he can just because he sees the desires in our hearts and he cares about them. I believe he will because of what these words from Jesus say. See, Jesus used a picture in, over back in Matthew 6, starting in verse 28. He was talking to the people uh, about how anxious they were about their clothing. And he said, why are you anxious about your clothes? As if you really don't have any reason to be anxious about that. But then listen to what he says. He says, observe how the lilies of the field grow. And it's obvious he's referring to these lilies as if they're really, really beautiful, right? And he points out, they didn't do anything to get that way, right? They didn't toil, they didn't spin, right? To get beautiful. And I love how he phrases this next part. He says, yet I say to you, does that sound familiar, <laughs> right? He said that to us a lot yesterday morning in the earlier part of this sermon. Yet I say to you that even Solomon in all his glory did not clothe himself like one of these. And by the way, ladies, there is a typo there on your scripture. I should say did not clothe himself like one of these. For if the grass of for God so arrays the grass of the field, which is alive today and tomorrow is thrown into the furnace. What does he say? Will he not much more do so for you, O men of little faith? And ladies, that's where it starts, with faith. It starts with faith. Faith to see our Heavenly Father for who he is. Even though we can't see him with our eyes, our eyes can be opened and cleared to see him by faith. Faith to believe his heart is really big, big for us. Faith to believe he cares about the personal interests of our lives. And because he does care so much, he will act on our behalf so much more than we could even imagine. Faith will cause you to say, yes, I believe that about you, God, and I trust you. You know, over the years, I've heard a lot of people teach on this, this part about, you know, why are you anxious about clothing and all of that? And I've heard them teach on it from a standpoint of clothes don't even matter. Don't even worry about them, right? It's just the outward appearance. Don't even need to think about that, right? And, and even some of the modern day paraphrases, and I say paraphrases because I, I wanna make this clear. I, I don't think people always realize this. You know, There are specific translations of scripture. And then there are things like the passion. Um, they call it a translation. It's really a paraphrase, right? They didn't you know, go through all the process to get the passion. The, the message, these are paraphrases, they're valuable, right? But it's more like me standing here and putting it into my own words. And so if that's all you're reading, you need to be careful with that because that's just somebody's interpretation kind of, of, of how they, you know, smart people, I'm sure probably God influenced, right? Holy Spirit influenced in that. But make sure that that's not all, all you're reading from, okay? You wanna get into some of the more translations that go right into those words and 
a lot of effort has been put into that. But anyway, some of those modern day paraphrases really kind of phrase it like that. Like, clothes don't matter, don't even worry about it kind of thing. But I don't see that as accurate to this conversation that Jesus was having here at all. I, I don't think it is at all. I think it runs way, way, way deeper. Because the reality is we all do care about how we look. We all do. We all care about what we're clothed in, what our lives are clothed in. I'm not just talking about our bodies. We care about how our lives look. There's something inside of every person who longs for their life to be beautiful, to be attractive, to be appealing in outward appearance. Now, there are many, many people, maybe some of you feel like this. I think it's a brokenness that causes us to just close that part of our heart off and say, I don't even care, right? But if you dial down deep enough into somebody's heart, even somebody, you know, homeless on the street who smells and is, you know, just, you know, clothed in rags. If you get deep enough in their heart, there is a longing there. They might have cut that longing off, but it is there. It's there. Remember who God created us to be. What did he say? You are the light of the world. Light is beautiful. Light is never not beautiful, right? So if that's who he made us to be, he obviously cares about that. And then all through scripture, we read about God being very active in clothing people in certain kinds of array. And then even more so than that, God talks about beautifully clothing us in what? Garments of salvation. So it's not that clothes don't matter. Clothes matter. What our lives are cloaked in matters. And our, our longing in our hearts to be beautiful and to have a beautiful life, it matters. It's once again, our eyes are dark. We're looking to the wrong source for beauty. And we start striving and straining in this life to have that beautiful life, to be beautiful on the outside as women, all the things we do, right? We strive and strain. And a lot of times it creates a lot of anxiousness. Jesus is saying here, I see that about you. Remember, he saw the people. I see that about you. And I see how it's making you so anxious. I made you with a beauty far beyond what you can imagine, far beyond what just shows up on the outside. But it's not that what shows up on the outside doesn't matter. It does. It starts all the way in the heart, and it exudes all the way to the outside. Jesus is powerful enough to make all things beautiful, even the grass of the field that's alive today and gone tomorrow. He cares about doing it, and that to me is what's so beautiful about this part that he cares, that he looks inside of our hearts, knows he created us that way, and he cares about that. Kingdom living, I believe, is that you leave your beauty to God, the beauty of your life, the beauty of your, your being. You leave it to God. The, the flowers of the field didn't toil. They didn't spin to create their beauty, and we don't have to either because God says, I'll clothe you. I'll put garments of salvation on you. That's that inner clothing. And how many of us know his salvation touches every part of our lives? See, he will beautify our lives more than we could even fathom. You remember that little boy in the parking lot that I told you about and how his grandmother was just wailing on him? There was something she said that day that I didn't tell you about earlier, and it was what bothered me the most. And she screamed it at him over and over again. She just kept saying, you have nothing to be crying about. And all I could think was, yes, he does. You are beating him in public. You're humiliating him. You're screaming at him like an animal. And on top of that, you probably didn't stop long enough to listen at what made him start acting out in the first place. Because he probably was misbehaving in the store. 
And how many of us know kids can push your last button, right? And I wasn't the perfect parent, and if I don't tell you that, Mackenzie can surely tell you that. I mean, we've all had our moments, right? But the point is this. All of us have images in our minds of times that somebody didn't care for our heart. They didn't care about how our lives looked to the world, or to us even. They did not have well-intentioned actions toward us, and their selfishness really humiliated us, right? We've all had situations like that, and we've been, when we have experienced that enough times, in all different kinds of ways, maybe as a little person, maybe you experience something just like that, or maybe as a big person, right? Maybe lots of times in between, when, when we feel that sense that nobody really cares, nobody's taking care of my heart, nobody sees me, you know what? We can just close off our heart to believing it could ever be different for us, mm. right? We could just decide, maybe not even cognitively decide, but something just switches on and we're like, all right, I'll just take care of myself, thank you very much. I'm gonna make my life beautiful on my own. I'll strive and strain, I'm gonna do it. Or we just go, I don't even care. I don't even care, but the problem is we do care. Yeah. We do care. And ladies, God designed us to care. And he designed us that we would let him care about what we care about. Living in a place of striving and straining, not caring, all of that, it's a wrestle that God never designed us to live in. And it's a wrestle that's always accompanied with anxiousness because we're not capable of beautifying our lives to the level that we long for. We're not. God put a desire inside of us for a beauty that's so much more vast than we can do anything about. And we're gonna always be anxious about it, deeply longing for someone to care for us, to do for us on our behalf if we don't learn to turn our eyes toward heaven for God to beautify our lives. The thing is, the designer dress is gonna go out of style. It will, right? The high-level career that maybe we're clothing our lives in is gonna end sometime. The dream house is gonna not be new one day, right? And the miracle product, whatever it is that we're using on our face that we think is so perfect, you know, it's not gonna last forever and it's gonna stop working. So even if we achieve a beauty and we think I've arrived, it's not going to last. And what will happen is we're gonna end up with a big hole in our heart, right? And then we're still going to be crying out, God, is there not more to life than this? And he will say, yes, there is. I wish you would have let me tell you about it 20 years ago. Because you would have had to live like this, right? Amen. amen. Yes, amen. And I, these are things, ladies, I have to preach to myself, right? Our Father has a beauty far beyond. It's so much more. And it's a beauty that lasts. We get a new body in heaven. We get a new face in heaven, right? All the things, yeah, but more than that, our life, literally from the inside out, is clothed in the beauty of righteousness, peace, and joy, right? Remember Jesus' words, blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. That's how God designed for us to live, just resting in him. Meek people are not weak people. They're not. They're faith-filled people who have learned to rest in the arms of their Heavenly Father in as much more care. They don't wrestle about day by day in anxiousness over all these things. They rest in the how much more care of what God will do and how he will care and provide for them. Just because he can. Just because he cares. He gives them the inheritance of the earth. Remember, blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Remember that tender father holding the little baby? That's the way. That's the way God cares for us. See, that tender father is a picture of our father's heart. And, and that's why it marked me so deeply. 
And how many of us long to be cared for like that, right? Tenderly, protectively. Jesus says, look at the birds of the air. This is back at the beginning of of this section. Verse 26. Look at the birds of the air. They don't toil. They don't gather into barns. They don't reap. And yet your father feeds them. Are you not worth much more than they? And ladies, that's just it. We need to hear that question and we need to go, yes. (laughs) Yes, I am worth much more than they. My father who is in heaven has given me that worth and he cares for me like a tender father. You know, that day, months ago, back in August, when I I stood in my church with that very anxious heart, the Lord graciously showed me that image. And he reminded me of those words, how much more. And my eyes were cleansed to see, even in the midst of my questions, even in the middle of the mystery, right? The midst of my longings, how much more. He's still working. He's still doing. It's not always in my time but he's going to be faithful. And if we can just see that, how much more? It can cleanse our eyes from those anxious places where we're living. How much more he cares, how much more he will do, how much more he will provide. That's kingdom living. And really, ladies, anxiousness doesn't really have a place in the kingdom. I mean, over in Philippians, it says, don't be anxious about anything, right? And many of us are anxious. And so it might be a journey of learning how to live in this, like just soak in this and meditate on this. We need to read our Bibles. Sure, we need to read them. But the Bible really never talks about reading your Bible. It talks about, I shouldn't say never. Revelation, it does say to um, read the words of this book. But more often, it talks about meditating on the word. And that is like a day by day, over and over Whatever you got to do to get that word into the fiber of how you think and feel. And it happens over time. It doesn't happen overnight. Our eyes, sometimes Jesus cleanses them right away. But sometimes he wants us to just listen and be attentive and keep his words and just let them keep rolling over and over in our minds. I can almost hear his pleading as he's talking to the people. Because he does see them. And he sees how this darkness of anxiousness is just wrecking them. And he's showing us a better way. You can hear it in verse 31 where he says, don't be anxious then saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink or with what shall we clothe ourselves? He says, for all these things the Gentiles eagerly seek. And that's the next thing. All these things. See, Jesus lists out some of the anxious questions that run through the hearts and minds and emotions of people who are not in a kingdom relationship with God. And we know that because he uses the word Gentiles there, right? He says, for all these things the Gentiles eagerly seek. And at that time, Gentiles were known as people who were disconnected from God. They didn't have a faith in God. They weren't walking with God. They weren't a part of the nation of Israel at that time, all right? And people who are not in a trusting relationship with God are people who have a list of all these things, okay? Because somebody's got to take care of the things, and we all got things, right? And so people that don't know God and they're trusting in God, they'll have a list of all these things. And maybe you know that list all too well, because you've got one too, right? I've had an all these things list, all these things you're anxious about. And if you do, it might be an indication that you need to see your Heavenly Father's much more heart. Because he's saying, why are you anxious about all these things? 
We are anxious when God has so much more. See, listen to what he says to us about our list in verse 32. He says, for all these things the Gentiles eagerly seek. And then he goes on to say in verse 33, I'm sorry, in 32, for your heavenly father knows that you need all these things. He keeps talking about all these things, right? And then in verse 33, he says this, but seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. And then what does he say? And all these things are going to be added to you. This is our next thing out of the box. Seek him first. You know, probably most of us have heard that song or heard that verse. You might have sung that song. If you're my age, that was a big, you know, chorus that we used to sing around the campfire, right? <laughs> Seek ye first the kingdom of God. It was one of the only songs I ever really learned to play on the piano and I would sit there and just sing it. Pretend I really was a pianist wasn't but anyway seeking seeking first the kingdom of god jesus knows these things he wants us to know you're anxious about all these things if you'll seek god first all these things he's going to take care of your heavenly father already knows you need them need these things seeking god first i really believe is a lifelong succession of many 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 yeses right of continually saying yes to jesus because in this world Everything else is going to be vying for our yes, please. So what we've got to understand, ladies, is Jesus is not just asking for our yes. He's about to take it up a notch. He's asking for our yes first. He wants our yes first. That we would be so convinced of as much more care that he would be our first choice, right? And then the anxiousness never even gets a chance. See, a lot of times we try a lot of other things first. We get all anxious, and then we're like, God, help me, right? Seek first my kingdom, and all these things will be added to you. You know, I was just getting ready to enter the ninth grade when I first really remember considering saying yes to seeking God first. I was, I was a young girl. I really didn't have a, much of a clue about anything. I became a Christian at eight, but I really never understood the gospel till about 28, 29 years old. That's a whole other story. But anyway, I, and I, I also grew up in a church that was very workspace, you know? And so I was a, I'm a type A personality, you know? It's like, okay, we're gonna get it done. We're gonna do this thing. And so this, I was on this youth group trip. We were in Lexington, Kentucky. It was a very crowded high school gym. And this short little man was preaching. He was preaching out of the King James Bible. And so he just kept, and he didn't talk about anything else in this section that I remember, but he just kept talking about that verse 33. Seek ye first the kingdom of God. And then probably at the end of the session, we sang that chorus. Seek first the kingdom, you know, all that. And I was just taking notes as fast as I could. I had this notebook. It had little strawberries all over it. I still don't remember why I remember that. But anyway, I was just, I was so pierced by this. Okay, this is what I've got to do. I've got to seek God first. And I went up to the front that night and even, you know, they handed me the microphone and I was just this kid getting ready to go to ninth grade. But I remember saying, I'm, I'm really nervous. I was getting ready to leave a Christian school that I'd been in for a long time. And I was going to public school. I was super nervous about it. I was like, I'm going to seek God first. And that was a really lofty goal for, you know, a young kid, didn't know a lot, didn't know much about the character of God and, you know, just getting ready to step into all of, all of life's stuff for sure. And I can surely tell you over the last 41 years since then, I haven't always said yes. And I definitely haven't always said yes first. It's a journey, right? It's a learning. One that started for me with a knowing I should seek God first. I was definitely convicted of that that night. But it took years for me to learn why to do that. 
Why I should do that is because my father's heart is so much more. It's so big. It went from a, I have to do this and this is the right thing to do to I want to do this because I started to understand my father's heart. And that only comes when our eyes are clear so that we can see him, when our heart is pure so that we can see him. I'm still growing in that. But I can tell you this, the times that I say yes to other things before saying yes to Jesus are much fewer and further between than they were, you know, years ago. And I believe as the Lord cleanses our eyes, it's, a, it's really a seeing that just has to run all the way through our, our whole being. It has to start at the top of our head, the, the way we view things. I mean, we talked about that already. We talked about it last night. We're still talking about it. And I told you at the beginning of the weekend, some of these images are going to come up again and again because they run through all of this. It's this eye of how we, how we look at things. And so it's so important to let that start at the top of our head, like with how we see things. So here's the last thing out of the box. That's my yes hat that I'm going to put on, all right? This yes has to start at the top of my head because I want to be a yes woman. A yes, Lord, I'm going to seek you first, woman. And I know that's where it has to start. It's got to be in my eyes. It's got to come out of my mouth. It's got to be felt in my heart. It's got to show up in what I do with my hands. I want to walk in this yes, right? I want to be identified in this yes from head to toe. It's so important. So you know what? This morning, we have a hat for you, too. You're getting a yes hat. So the girls have the hat. about will never give us the more that we're longing for but he has also shown us the heart of our Heavenly Father his much more heart and how important it is right to seek him first not only are all these things going to be added to us but how say it with me much more say it again much more will be added as well the wrong things in life are gonna always be vying for our yes our yes first right and we often don't have that wisdom to discern what true life is. And our broken hearts can get so anxious. And I know some of us are really dealing with that. And I'm not making light of it in any way. It's, it's a real journey to walk out of that anxiousness into the light of, of living in the blessings of God. And in that faith and that knowing that he is there for you and caring for you. But hopefully we're seeing the better way, right? Yes. The kingdom alive. And so I just want to ask you to stand up with me. And I'm going to just pray over us. Lord, 
As we put these hats on our heads this morning, God, give us clear eyes to see that life is more and where more comes from. It comes from your much more heart. So God, we say yes to seeking you first. We say yes to your how much more care. We say yes to clear eyes in your kingdom. And we ask you to give us grace to seek you first every day of our lives. Because we know, God, that every time we give you a yes, it's like a brick. It's like a brick building on that rock. Brick by brick, day by day, building your story. Grace to grace, strength to strength. All, All for your, for your glory. glory. Say it with me again. Brick, brick by brick, brick, day by day, building your story, God. Grace to grace, strength to strength. All for your glory. We're going to sing that together now. Together, and we're going to learn some hand motions. Sing it first. All right, there we go. All we're going to take it to the level.